This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. So we had a lineup of desks, and so I got up on my desk, and I was, you know, running. I was like, hey, look at me, how awesome I am. And all of a sudden, I had a bad landing, or one of the desks moved or something, and I literally landed on my head. Very painful situation going on there. Now, there was no concussion protocol uh, in this time, you know, in grade four, and so I, uh, I, I, but I do think I had some sort of minor concussion, because I was, as I was walking home that day, I was kind of like dizzy and seeing double, and then when I got home, I laid on the sofa and I thought to myself, what was I thinking? And, you know, we all have moments like that in our lives where we've done stuff or we've said stuff that afterwards we really regretted uh, what we did and what we thought. And, you know, our thinking is so important because our, our speaking and our actions all flow from what we think. And it's really important to know that our thinking needs to grow. Our thinking needs to evolve and change, not to stay where we're at. Because if we think that what I think exactly right now is the only thing to think and the only thing to know, we're kind of stuck and we're stuck in our lives. That we actually can't move forward in any way if we think, I've, right now in my life, uh, my life is the baseline for all awesome thinking. My life right now and how I think right now is the standard for all other thinking and how it should be judged. But we don't want to get in that spot. We know, and and it's it's evident to us, obviously. There's a lot of stuff in the world that we don't know. We can look out, you know, you might have a certain expertise in life and you might be educated in a certain area. But there's lots of other areas that we don't know about. So we all are aware of this idea that our thinking needs to change and our thinking needs to grow. And this is what the scriptural idea is as it relates to meditation. The word meditation just means um, an intentional contemplation, calling to mind some supposition, pondering upon it, and correlating it to one's own life. Now, sometimes people think of meditation, uh, depending on the background, some people will say if you meditation is about emptying your mind. Uh, you know, eradicate all thoughts in your mind, which I actually don't think you can practically do in one sense because you're always thinking about something. Now, the scriptural idea between about meditation is to be actually thinking about God's word, thinking about his ways, um, his thoughts for us, who he is. And when we think about meditation, this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be meditating on God's word. In other words, thinking what are God's thoughts about this situation? What are God's ways for my life? and contemplating intentionally those things. So if you have your Bibles this morning, or if you've got your devices, you can click over uh, to Romans chapter 12. Uh, Turn along with us here and read in the scripture together. If you don't have a Bible or a device with a Bible on it, the scriptures are there on the screen. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect transformed by the renewing of our mind, that our lives would be changed because we are thinking differently. And that's, this is the biblical idea, that as we spend time in God's word, as we spend time with God in his word, that our thinking will change. And if our thinking changes, what we say will change, and how we act will change. And this is what God wants for us. And this is 
the biblical idea about meditation is that I'm thinking, I'm trying to think God's thoughts. The scripture says that God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts and his ways are higher than my ways. So in the context of our relationship with, the, with God, in our context of our Bible reading, which I encourage you to do, that we, we realize that, here's a really good revelation, that God is smarter than I am. And if we believe this idea that God is smarter than me when I spend time with God and his word, I will let his thoughts be in charge of my life, not just what I think now, not just what I know now, but I'll let my thinking change and be transformed. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, let's turn over there. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 15 says this. Now, this is the Apostle Paul, and he is praying for this church at Ephesus. And he says this, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, that means prayer, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Back to verse 17, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That we would have an understanding. Revelation means understanding. A revelation, an understanding of who God is. So when we spend time thinking about God's word, thinking about his promises... That really what we're thinking about is having an increased knowledge of God. So we don't want to separate the promises of God from him and his character. When we're thinking about the promises of God, the ways of God, that our relationship with God is actually growing when we're meditating intentionally, thinking about God's word, that we're growing in the knowledge of God. When we have, let's say, an understanding about forgiveness, we realize that in Christ... Uh, God has put our sin on Jesus on the cross, and then when we get a revelation or an understanding that God is a forgiving God, and I think about that idea, I'm going to come to God, and I'm going to realize that God forgives me. And so that means my relationship with God is growing in that respect. And that's what we, we need to think about, our meditation. I'm not just thinking about ideas. I'm thinking about God's character and who he is. Verse 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Now, we all have seen that picture where, you know, when, when somebody gets an idea, sort of the light bulb comes on over their head. And that's, a way, that's the way we, we need to think about meditating on the scriptures, that we start to see things differently. We start to get a, a worldview that is just not just our own, but a worldview as it relates to God and what he thinks about me and what he thinks about my situations and what he thinks about what I should do and the choices that I make, that I should make that I would be able to see life differently. So when I contemplate, intentionally think about God's word, that the eyes of my understanding can and should be enlightened. So meditation, once again, is not just, I'm not just thinking about things, that I'm actually thinking about God, who he is, um, an understanding of who Jesus is. And when I see who Jesus is and understand who Jesus is, that my relationship with God is growing in that respect. So I'm, I'm not just separating the principles and character from God from himself, that when I'm thinking about the ways and thoughts of God, my relationship with God is growing. So meditation is relational. 
Um, I'm not just thinking about thoughts and ways, but I'm thinking about who God is. Jesus talks about this here in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about your life. Now, the word anxious just means to be fearful. Now, all of us at some point, um, when we are in a season of change in life, when we are either, you know, changing schools or changing majors or changing jobs or about to have a child or our child is about to go to a new school or maybe you're about to be an empty nester, all these different seasons of life, we can be anxious about them because we've never lived them. We don't actually know what this next season is like. But Jesus is telling us, don't be anxious about your life. Don't be afraid. Because really, anxiousness is just a way of thinking. Fear is a way of thinking about life. I'm just afraid about this, and I'm afraid about this, and I'm not sure about this. Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Now, the first few words here are verse 26. The first four words are, look at the birds. Now, I'm not much of a bird watcher, but my wife is. She loves to, to watch birds and feed birds. And so we've got, I don't know how many, how many bird feeders do we have in our backyard, babe? Too many is the answer. We've got too many bird feeders in our backyard. And so my, we got, we've got some nice windows uh, at the back of our house. And so she walks back there. And if there, you know, we sometimes will have blue jays and cardinals and different things. And what else do we have back there? Wood, we have a woodpecker, hummingbird. She could go on for a while about birds. So anyway, so I, she comes back there and she's like, babe, look at the birds. And so I kind of do one of these because I'm watching the TV, watching the sports, the important things in life. And I'm watching sports and she's like, look at, look at this. I'm like, great. And uh, <laughs> she's like, no, look at the birds. What is she trying to get me to do? Like, take a moment and look at the birds and appreciate, you know, God's beautiful creation. I'm like, I'm trying to create God's love, God's creation on the sports field, babe. I'm not trying to enjoy the birds right now. God is, Jesus is not asking us to be a bird watcher, but what is he trying to say here? Let's keep continue reading. Look at the birds of the air, for neither do they sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He says, look at this. Hey, if you're thinking about your life and you're afraid, Jesus is trying to interrupt those thoughts and say, look at the birds. God takes care of the birds. And then he says, are you not more of a value than they? Verse 27, and which of you, by being anxious or fearful, can add a single hour to his span of life? Can you live longer by being afraid about your future? And the answer is no, you can't. Verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider, see what Jesus is saying? Hey, look at this, think about this. And then he says here, consider the lilies of the field. Look at the flowers. How they grow, neither do they toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So here Jesus leads us in a path of faith, and the path of faith goes through thinking. So you can still be an, an intellectual and be a person of faith. In fact, Jesus is telling us to think. Hey, if you're anxious about your life, look at this. Think about this. Consider this. Seek after God. Jesus, in this moment, in this passage, you know, hey, if you're fearful about your future, just believe. He didn't say that there. He says, think about this. That the road to faith, the road to greater faith, goes through thinking. That we need to think about some things. That my, the faith, my faith in God, my faith in who God is, and that he's interested in my future, and he's interested in me not being afraid about my future. Greater faith in that moment comes from, look at this and consider this. Look how God takes care of the birds. Look how God takes care of the flowers. God is going to take care of you. God, Jesus wants us to think about that, to slow down, intentionally consider that so that we don't live fearful lives. Joshua chapter 1. Now this passage of scripture, a uh, very famous passage of scripture, and it's the context of it is, that, do you remember Moses, you know, they went through the Red Sea, the children of Israel, um, and that group of people didn't end up growing, going into the promised land. And so about 40 years they wandered the desert, that group, and they were waiting them, for all of them to die off before they went into the promised land. And here's the reminder for Joshua, who's the new leader, he's taken over from Moses, they're about to go into the promised land, and here's some reminders for Joshua and the children of Israel just before they go into the promised land. Joshua 1, verse 5. It says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Do you hear the repetition? Be strong and courageous. Hey, you're about to go into a new season. You're about to go into some land that you have never been into. And you're about to face some difficulties that you've never faced. You need to be strong and courageous. Why? Because your tendency would to be afraid. Being careful to do according to all the law of Moses, my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you shall be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. For have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, we like that in there, we hear that word success, and, and that God's going to make our way prosperous, and we like those ideas, and God wants to do that for us. But what was the context? He said that you, there was three different things that we said, that we saw here. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it that you will be careful to do. Three different things. That all of those, all of the speaking in our life, all of the actions in our life, they flow from our thinking. That we would meditate on God's word, his ways, his thoughts, so that we would then speak differently. 
Does anyone ever need to change their words? Has anyone ever made a mistake with their words? Man, we make a mistake. I mean, sometimes our, our words, I mean, forget about other people. Forget about, you know, the American presidential race. I mean, we can, dis- we can depress ourselves with our words. But here he's saying meditate on God's word and then we're going to say something and then we're going to do something. Three different areas. We're going to think differently. We're going to speak differently. And then we're going to act differently. The scripture says that the doer of the word is blessed. So when we change our thinking, we're changing our words and then we're changing our actions. That's why we would be meditating on, the, on God's word, thinking differently so we could speak differently and then we can act differently. Psalm 62, let's turn over there. Psalm 62, now the book of Psalms is a great book. Now, we, we Psalms and sometimes we think these are songs, but a lot of times these were um, poems in a sense that that were read now i don't know if you've ever been to a poetry reading or you've seen a poetry reading maybe online on youtube or something and then you know in the cool context of a poetry reading when somebody gives like an amazing thought what does everybody do come on let's all try it for a second everybody does this and so what does everybody do is like whoa that was a deep thought and then in in one sense what it does is it's like a pause moment because we want to think about how deep that thought is now in the book of psalms there's a word that we don't necessarily know what it means but it's this word selah it's s-e-l-a-h and what this word selah means it means to stop pause and think consider what was just said now there's a bunch of these occurrences in the book of songs and we're going to read you a few here in a second so just just for a real practical few seconds we're going to see what meditating on the word of god is all about Psalm 62, verse 8, says this. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a God of refuge for us. Selah. In other words, don't, don't go to the next thought just yet. Hold on a second. Let's pause. Let's think about this. Because it actually has meaning. It actually has application for our lives. Don't just rush the next verse and uh, trust in him at all times everybody say all times so that doesn't mean just on sunday morning it doesn't just mean when you know when you're dressed for church or where you're at church this isn't a church thing this is a life thing that all of the time that we would have our trust in god so when we get up tomorrow morning we're about to go to work maybe get go into a new season a new school a new career what are we going to do Uh, I'm going to trust in God. I've got some decisions to make tomorrow. I've got some decisions to make this week. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm not sure. I'm going to be afraid. Uh, If we meditate and think about this verse, we're going to say, we're going to say it because it's going to change our thinking and therefore it's going to change our words. Today, I put my trust in God. I have faith in God, not just faith in some principle, not just faith in some idea, but my trust is in God. Let's think about that. And then he says, oh, people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. God is a safe place. See, sometimes life is very disappointing. Sometimes people are disappointing. They, they say things that hurt our feelings, and it's a hard 
uh, things sometimes. Maybe somebody close to us. But here the scripture says we can pour out our heart to God. Why? Because he's a refuge. He's a safe place for me. And that's not an idea you just want to rush past. It's not just an idea, oh, I just want to memorize these verses. We're actually supposed to be meditating on it, intentionally thinking about it, and then applying it to my life. God is my refuge. God is my ultimate safe place, that I can always run to him, that I can always tell him what's going on in my life, and I can always put my trust in him. Psalm 44, verse 8 says, And God, we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Selah. We're going to pause there for a second, and we're going to think about it. In God, we have boasted, and we continue to boast in God, and we will give thanks to God's name forever. You know, there's always something to be thankful for. You know, we can rush through life with sort of a negative outlook and we can be scared, nervous about the economy, nervous about political situations, nervous about this, nervous about that. Well, what is the scripture telling us to do? That we're going to boast in God. I'm not going to boast in the negativity going on around me. I'm actually going to boast in God and I'm going to thank God for his goodness in my life. I'm going to thank God for all of the blessings that I have. I'm going to thank God for my friends and for my family. Slow down. Pause your day. Pause in your heart and mind. And actually have that meditation be meaningful to us. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. We live in a busy, busy world and we got stuff to do. We've got, you know, situations going on. We've got family to take care of. We've got kids. We've got a spouse. We've got a job. We've got a career. We've got Instagram to look at. We've got our Snapchat to check. I mean, we've got a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of stuff going on. But in the middle of life that's busy, what does God say to us? Be still. Let's all just slow down for a second and know that God is God. And the first thing that I would think about that is means, it means I'm not. I'm not God. I don't have to control what everybody's doing or what everybody's saying. I don't have the responsibility, the weight of the world on my shoulders. That God is God. I don't have to make everybody's life, I don't, life right. I don't have to make everybody do the right thing that God is God, that we're going to put our trust in him. Be still and know, God says, that I am God. And, and man, we could think about that for a half hour. The fact that God is God and not me, and the fact that God is God and not somebody else, and the fact that God is God and not our prime minister, and the fact that God is God and not the soon-to-be new president of the United States, whoever that may be, because that could make us nervous either way. God is God. That contemplation is so important for us. A couple more verses and we're done here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, 
whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What we have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. So all of these good things to think about. And at the result, the end result of thinking all of these things, that we experience the peace of God. And that's so true with our thinking, that our thinking can prevent us from experiencing the peace of God because we're choosing to think about this and we're nervous about this and we're afraid about this. But God wants us to slow down and think about Him and who He is and then we can experience His peace. Last verse. Psalm 19 verse 14 says this, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And for those, all of us who call ourselves Christ followers, man, this should be our prayer. Lord, help me to think your thoughts about my life. I know the culture says this about my life and the culture says this and -and so-and-so says this. But God, I want to, what I meditate on and what I think about, I want it to be pleasing in your sight and I want my life to be pleasing in your sight. I want my life to be shaped, to be a Christ life like. And what would that look like? You know, Jesus said, I came to serve and not to be served. And so the type of life that's pleasing to God is the type of life when we leave here today and we get up tomorrow morning or we're doing something this afternoon, you you say, God, use me to bless others. Help me, Lord, to be a blessing to other people that the meditation of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing to God. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, that we can meditate on your word, that our lives and our thinking can be transformed, that our words can change and our actions can change when we think your thoughts and when we think your ways. We pray, Lord, that you help us to do that, Father, when we, when we start to look out at our lives and we start to look at our future and we're afraid. Lord, help us to know that we can be strong and courageous because we know you. And we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we have a a really special thing now that we're going to do for the rest of our service. It is water baptism mornings. Uh, Gee, you could get this. And so we can just dismiss our candidates who are going to go get baptized right now. Let's give them a hand as they head out. We had a, a great group of people that got baptized in the first service, and now we have this crew that's getting baptized right now. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't know what water baptism is, or you don't understand what it is, or maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to explain it to you. Uh, Jesus left two physical things for us to do. He left communion for us and water baptism. Now, both of these things are um, physical things that we do that tell of a spiritual truth. Uh, neither of these things save us. We don't have holy water in this tank this morning. It is just Mississauga tap. Um, 
So it's nothing special about the water. But what both of these physical things that Jesus left for us to do, they tell the story about the cross. Now, when we take communion together, we have two things. We have uh, the bread and the juice, and the physical part of the bread reminds us that Jesus' body was broken for us. And so when we take communion, we're remembering that. And then the juice represents Jesus' blood. And so when we think about the blood, that blood washes away our sins. So communion doesn't save us water baptism doesn't save us but what water baptism is it's a physical thing that we do that tells the story uh, for individuals who say hey i follow jesus it's just a physical way for someone to go public with their faith so the water is representative of when we go under the water we're showing that our sins are washed away or that we're dying to an old way of life And when we come up out of the water, we're showing that we are resurrected with Christ. Just like Jesus was resurrected after he was crucified on the cross, I am resurrected to new life in Christ. So really, it's just a celebration of faith. People who have already dedicated their lives, already said yes to Jesus, they're just going public with their faith, man, and we get to share it with them today. And so, you know... Water baptism is all about a celebration. And what does a celebration sound like? Let's hear it. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.